Jesus. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah, so we're finished with trials. So tri trials was fun, yeah? So was it good? For yeah? Janine liked it. Got one out of 20. <laughs> Give it a thumb up. Ah, oh, thanks, Jenny. Okay, two out of 20. That's good. 10%. Um, thanks, Jesus. Um, no, yeah, so we're, we did trials. We did four weeks of trials. I hope it was helpful. I hope if you guys are in or were in a bad spot that it was helpful, that it helped you uh, work your way out of it or work your heart into a better place where you can deal with it a bit better. Um, but we're going we're gonna to move on to a new topic called, I don't know what the name is officially, something to do with foundations, the foundations of the faith, the pillars of the faith. And we're going to be doing it with the church. So like we're going to, I'll explain more about that later. But that's not going to start till June, okay? So we're, we've just hit May. So for the month of May, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're just going to be hitting random topics. So it's the whole series thing is gone for this month. Um, but it is what it is. And I'm not going to be doing as much teaching anymore. I'm going to be teaching every second week. So I don't know who's going to be doing the other teachings, but there'll be someone because Jesus provides. Um, yeah, it's just honestly, it's getting a bit much for me. I was just like, you know, life was just busy. And I'd rather than, you know, like go hard and just go crazy and then crash one day like I did last time. I'm just going to say, let's just slow it down a little bit. <laughs> so I'm going to do it every second week. Um, but I'm keen to do it every second week. Um, yeah, so pretty much we're just going to talk about whatever God puts on my heart or whatever God puts on the person's heart that's going to be doing the teaching. Um, and yeah, does that sound good? Let's just follow the Holy Spirit. Okay, cool. It may end up being several weeks. Who knows? Jesus can do anything. Um, all right. When I was five years old, five years old, I found my first obsession. Anyone want to guess what it was? Comics. Comics is not bad of a guess. Anyone? Power Rangers. Yeah, Power Rangers. I, uh, Oh, come on, pens. You guys get the idea. Five. Five years old. Power Rangers. I was obsessed with Power Rangers. It was the first time my heart lit up in that way about life. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. I don't even really know why. I just, I'm still learning these things about myself. Um, but my dad came home one day after he first heard about Power Rangers. And apparently I greeted him by going, Power and I was just really into it from then on. And so I begged my parents to buy me everything to do with Power Rangers. I said, can you buy me a video? And they did. And I said, can you buy me the outfit? And they did. I was the red one, Jason. He's pretty cool. Um, and I pretended I was a Power Ranger. I was obsessed. Now, here's what happened. When I turned 10 years old, I found obsession number two and number three. You want to guess? Pokemon. Oh, well done. Well, same as me. Legit, Ted? Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, but me and Ben are like pretty far apart in years, so... Anyway. I know, it's weird, but I love it. Anyway. <laughs> so that was obsession number two. What's number three? Ten. Very close. Digimon. Very close. Even closer. Say it. Yes! Dragon Ball Z. Dra Dragon Ball Z. Oh, oh 
it's it's more of a guy thing. Sorry, girls, if you don't know what that is. Um, Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z literally changed my life. I'd like to say I got into it when I was ten and got over it when I was fifteen, but I'm still pretty into both of them. Um, <laughs> it was just the coolest thing ever. You could like catch monsters and go on adventures and do all these awesome things and turn Super Saiyan and fly around universes and be powerful. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever, and I was just obsessed. Um, I, when I first played Pokemon, the feeling I got, I played it at a friend's house, the feeling that I got was like, I felt like I was alive. You might be like, you're such a nerd. And I am, but I genuinely was like, this is just the coolest thing in the world. And, and if you guys played Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue back in the day, you'd understand. Like, if you didn't, you'd have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, the new ones aren't as good, by the way. Um, and it's all about the, that nostalgia. Um, yeah, so cool. And Dragon Ball Z was all about good versus evil. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just pulled me in. I wanted to be Gohan. Gohan was the coolest. Um, yeah, so most of my thoughts between the age of 10 and 15 were about Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. Um, but when I hit 15, I found my next obsession. Anyone want to guess what it was? Girls. girls. No. I, it probably should have been that, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, S, anyone? Spider-Man. No. I'm not, I'm not just ner like into nerdy stuff, so <laughs> maybe expect, or close. Skating? Skating, yeah. I was, I was cool at one, at one point, guys, in my life. One year of my life, 15. And, and another word, beginning with S. Spiky hair. No, no. S similar to skating. Spiky hair. Yeah, spiky hair. <laughs> no. Skateboard. You should know this, Chloe. Skimboarding. Ah, oh, I thought you said snowboarding. Yeah, skimboarding. You guys know what skimboarding is? If you don't, you can look me up on YouTube. Um, I have a, a YouTube video, yeah, where I skimboard when I was about 20. Type in long reef flatland skimboarding and you'll see me do some cool tricks. Um, yeah, so definitely check me out on YouTube. Uh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yes, please, share. Um, okay, yeah, so skating and skimboarding, I, I was cool at one point, there's some proof. Um, and when I was 20 years old, guess what I got into? World of Warcraft. No, that was 18, oh. but very close. <laughs> I'd quit by 20. Okay. Yeah, but good guess. Uh, begins with J. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> and? Amber. No, that was 25. Um, we're getting there though. <laughs> Bible? Jesus and church and, and Bible college and theology and sermons and listening to things about life and all that kind of stuff, reading books and all sorts of stuff. That's what I was really into, right? And then, Jesus is King, um, when I was 25, I got married. And then my life became about creating a good marriage with my wife, Ember. Um, and now I'm happy. That's the end of my story. Now you guys know a bit about my life. Um, thanks for the claps. Um, <laughs> so that has nothing to do with tonight's talk. I just wanted to tell you a bit about my life. Um, no, not really. It actually has something to do with tonight's talk. <laughs> so the point of all this is that although the way I approach life has obviously grown and evolved over time, except for Dragon Ball Z, that's still the same, um, one thing has never changed. I always sought my own happiness and contentment and peace. So the way that I sought it was different 
Sometimes it was through going on a cool Pokemon adventure and sometimes it was through reading the Bible. But either way, I always sought my own happiness and peace in some way. I was kind of born to do that. In fact, I can't help but do that. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, to be honest, all humans can't help that. And if you guys are humans, um, yeah, you, you are. Um, <laughs> you guys can't help that. You will endlessly seek your own fulfillment, your own happiness, your own peace of some sort. It'll look different, but that's what everyone wants. Um, so, and if you're not feeling satisfied right now, then you're doing something in your head to try and figure out a way to become more satisfied. You're planning, you're scheming, you're setting goals because you really want to be satisfied. You actually can't help it. Everything that you do. In fact, the reason that you're here in this room tonight is because you actually believe that coming to teaching night makes you more fulfilled. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't be here. Or if you're not listening to the, uh, you guys know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. There's a guy that's now dead, um, but he was alive in the 17th century. His name was Blaise Pascal. He was a, a philosopher, I believe. This is what he had to say. All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. Uh, the will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. Pretty hectic quote. Um, but that was in the 17th century. And this guy's looking at life, you know, creating philosophy about what life is. And he's going, everyone all the time seeks happiness. It's no different back then as to now. Humans are not different. Um, yeah, you might cause a war because you think it's going to make you happy. Or you might try and stop a war because you think it's going to make you happy. But either way, you're doing it because you think it's going to make you happy. You guys know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So everything that you do in your life is a reflection of the beliefs that you have about what makes you happy. So every single action that you take every single day is a reflection of the beliefs that you have about what you think makes you happy. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> okay, so if we, obviously we're in a church right now and we're talking about Jesus and all that sort of stuff. Let's just escape the religious, spiritual sphere, sphere for a second and just talk about life. Like imagine you hadn't heard about Jesus and life and spirituality and all that sort of stuff and you just experience life and you go, and you go cool, I'm 20 something, I'm whatever age, this is what I've experienced. How freaking crazy is it that if we, if you agree with what I've said, that you have only sought your own happiness your entire life, every single minute since, since you got born into the world, you were seeking your own happiness in, in some way. If you agree with that thought, how crazy is it that if we've spent every minute of every day for our entire existence <coughs> trying to do one thing, just the one thing, get happy, be peaceful, be content. How crazy is it that so few people are truly content? Doesn't that just like, just get out of the, the Christian mindset for a second if you can and just look at life and go, everyone, everyone driving out there on the road is doing what they're doing right now to be happy. And so few people that you meet in this life are actually genuinely happy. That is mind-boggling to me. 
I can't even understand that. Like you spend every minute of every day trying something and no one has it. <laughs> what the frick? That's crazy. Um, we literally could not have put as many hours into anything else. And yet this thing that we are endlessly chasing seems so elusive. It's like a mystery. It's like it's right there and you know you can get it and you've created theories in your head as to how to get it, but then no one has it. It's like a, it's like a riddle almost. It's like trying to figure that one out. It's like, I, I can't, <laughs> it's just life. Um, so, okay. If you just, while we're ejected from the Christian mindset for a second, doesn't that fascinate you? Like, I, are you interested in finding out why that is? Just in, in terms of a pure life experience thing. Isn't that an interesting question? Why is it so difficult to get satisfaction? Why is it so rare to meet someone who is content? Why is it so rare to meet someone who very rarely complains or never complains? Why? <laughs> That's a good question. So if I didn't believe in God and I was just like trying to figure out life by myself, I would be thinking about that question every single day. Now, because Jesus gives me a framework for figuring out life, it's a bit easier because I can go and ask him. But if I didn't know him, I'd be like, that makes no sense to me. Horses don't seem to care about satisfaction. They, they seem to be all right, standing in the same field they've st stood in their whole life, chewing the same patch of grass every day and going to sleep at the end of the day and then waking up the next day and doing it all over again. Can anyone here do that? No. You do that for more than five minutes, you'd be depressed. But ho <laughs> you would. Okay, not five minutes. Okay, let's say five days. You'd be depressed. But a horse is just like, just chewing grass. Like, what the heck? The, the animals don't care about this stuff. Like, but humans deeply do. It drives all your decisions. Is it going to satisfy me or not? In fact, if you're a Christian, the reason why you came to God is because you believed that by becoming a Christian, you would be satisfied. Don't try and say, no, it's because I wanted to bless him and lay my whole life down and do all these things, <laughs> nice things with him. No, you didn't. You wanted to be fulfilled. You wanted to have peace. You wanted to have love and you wanted to have joy. And that's what, right, you should want those things because you were created for all those things. So don't feel like you're being selfish by wanting those things. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't offer them to you. All right. Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So perhaps you might say in rebuttal to this, you might say, Nate, that's not true. I'm, I'm pretty happy with my life. I like how things are going. And that's fair enough. You might, you know feel pretty happy about your life, feel, feel pretty peaceful, you like how things are going, like where you're at. That's cool, that's good. Um, but you probably mean that in a sense of like, oh, I can't complain, or it could be worse. But can you see how like deflated that sentence is? Like you're not jumping with joy at your life. You're going, yeah, it's all right. I'm putting up with it, I guess. Or like, it's pretty good. It could be worse, I've had worse seasons. But you're not going, my life is awesome. Why are you not doing that? Because <laughs> you should be. You, you can tell that your heart's created for that, but you don't know how to get there. Does that make sense? So even if you say, no, I'm pretty happy. What are you talking about? You're not. You're not as happy as you could be. Put it that way. <laughs> um, you were created to grow in thankfulness and contentment over your life every single day. Um, and so the question is, are you? Are you content? And you might be um, in Jesus, but I highly doubt that you are content in other things. 
just from my own life experience, you, you, you were never created to always default back to being discontent. Have you guys noticed that? Humans just, they go through a cool season and then a couple of weeks later just fades and they're back to just the mundane. Mm -hmm. Just complaining, just bored, just what am I doing with my life? You were never created for that. It's supposed to go the opposite way. Always better, always growing, always more content. That's the kingdom of God. Um, so how many people, just have a think for a second, how many people in your life do you know that are truly content? Like you look at them, like I actually do know a few people that they're rare, to be honest. But how many people do you actually know that are just like peaceful? Like genuinely, they're really not striving, trying to get something. They're really at rest and you can feel it. They carry an atmosphere around them that's like calm. It's to be honest, I'm, my experience is that those people are very rare, even within the church. Um, and I'm, I wouldn't put myself on that list, just so you know. Um, yeah. Um, so you, you were made to have exploding joy and deeply quiet peace and contentment always present in your heart simultaneously. Exploding joy from your heart and deeply quiet peace. Smooth sailing in your heart. So tonight, I'm just going to talk to you about peace. So there's many fruits of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit. Um, one of them is joy, one of them is patience, one of them is peace, one of them is self-control, so on. I'm just going to talk to you tonight about the peace fruit. So we could do a whole night, wait, what? <laughs> a whole night on joy. <laughs> night? We could do a whole night on joy. <laughs> um, you just got to roll with the joke and it's less embarrassing. Um, but then don't say that afterwards or that. <laughs> so good. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> um, so honestly, we could do a whole night. Uh, <laughs> I, I promise that was not on purpose. We could do a whole night on joy. Thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you. Um, so we could do a whole night on that, which is very similar topic to peace. But for now, we're just going to stick with peace. And I've heard Bill Johnson say this quote, if you're struggling to understand the difference. Joy is peace that's loud, and peace is joy that's quiet. It's pretty cool, hey? Uh, yeah. I think it's pretty true. They definitely overlap. Joy and peace are very, very similar. Um, but they are distinct as well. So, if I'm honest with you guys, I have a very special place in my heart for this topic of peace. I have a very special place in my heart. If there's any one topic in Christianity, in my life really, that I obsess over, there's probably two topics really. It's peace, like tr finding true peace in my heart, and love. Those two topics I obsess over and sometimes cry over. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's just the most impacting thing ever. Um, the word Peace is probably one of the words I say the most out of any word every day. Aside from words like the and are and stuff like that. Don't, don't be like that. Um, like I say peace to, this is just me, I'm not expecting you guys to do this, but I speak peace to so many situations. Every day, every day I see something that's not the kingdom of God, I just speak peace to it. Because Jesus said you can do that. Remember I said a few, uh, to you guys a few weeks ago, you can 
when you go into a house, you can release your peace to the house. You can release your peace to stuff. When I found that out, I was like, dang, I'm gonna start releasing peace everywhere. Everywhere that I see not peace, I'm gonna just start releasing peace. And so um, I say peace over people as I walk by them on the street. I don't like yell it at them being like, peace, because that's not very peaceful. <laughs> but I just kind of say it under my breath. Just like, it's almost like a little prayer over them. Or I'll like, if I hear like a family or friend situation, like people that are like personally connected to me and they're going through something, I just start speaking peace. I want peace in this house. I want peace in this family. I want peace with my friends. I want peace in people's hearts. Um, if, if I see someone who's lost, who doesn't know Jesus, and they're clearly acting out of insecurity or fear, and it's just obvious, and everyone in the room can feel it, just speak peace to them under my breath, just like peace, Jesus, peace to that person. If there's anywhere that your peace can live in that person's heart, peace to them. And my, the peace leaves me and goes to them. That's what Jesus said. I'm not making it up. Um, and I tell people and I try to practice myself to only do what you have peace for in life. Because very often God will speak to you through his peace. He will give you peace to do something. So if you're like, should I buy this house or this house? Take this job or this job? Go out with this person or this person? Study this uni degree or this uni degree? My, probably my first answer is, because you can't find the answer to those things in the Bible. Probably my first answer is, what do you have peace over? Because usually that's where God's leading you. So start to listen to where you have peace in your heart about something, because that's God. Um, yeah. Every moment of every day, I'm trying to get to a place of peace in Jesus, and that's no exaggeration. Every moment of every day, me personally, I'm trying to get to a place of peace in Jesus, a place of peace in my heart. I long for it so bad. And often I don't have it, but I want it so much. It's, it's what's made me feel most alive in my entire life is the peace of God, to be honest. That's why it's such a special thing for me. Like, I think I have maybe a personal, just Jesus given, given me this topic. It's like, Nate, you just take this topic and you just run with it your whole life and give it to as many people as you can. Because just my, my personality is quite, I don't know, I just love gentleness and peace and kindness. It's just what I'm like. Um, yeah. So what I'm hoping is that I can share some of this with you guys tonight, what God's taught me about peace. And I'm hoping and praying and believing that as I speak in peace, about peace to, to you guys tonight, that there will, there will be a peace released to you. Like, I don't know how that stuff works in the spirit, but when, when Jesus spoke, he spoke words of spirit and of life. So it's not just words coming out of my mouth, it's spirit and life coming out and touching your heart. So I'm just praying and believing that there'll be a peace released to you guys tonight as you just sit and listen and believe. Um, cool, so who wants to know what the Bible says about peace? Anyone? Yeah. It says a lot, so I can't give you all of them. I'm gonna give you a few. But my main, my main verse tonight for peace is this one up here. You guys can read it. Um, I'm just gonna read it out. This is Jesus speaking the night before he gets crucified. He says to his disciples, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. So Jesus gives you 
his peace. Not a little mini version of peace that you have to grow into. He goes, the peace that I have, the peace that I walked with on the earth, I, yeah, I'm going to leave it to you. It's a gift. You can take it. Um, and that changes everything. <laughs> because how did Jesus live on this world, in this world? He lived in peace. You couldn't rock his, you couldn't rock his heart. You couldn't tempt him. You couldn't throw him off the, tra off, off the track of his life. You just couldn't because he's just at peace. He's content. He's not seeking for contentment, so you can't sell him anything. He's not buying. <laughs> he's giving. Um, so my big idea for tonight, Jesus gives us his true peace and contentment through the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us his true peace and contentment through the Holy Spirit. That's the context in which Jesus says this. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. He's talking about, I'm going to leave my friend, the Holy Spirit, with you. And that's how you have peace. It's not peace of, of God through the Father. It's not peace of God through the Son. It's peace of God through the Holy Spirit. This is a distinct role of the Holy Spirit. This is... The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our lives, in our hearts. And that's the avenue in which peace flows into your hearts. <sighs> okay. Um, the, okay, I'm going to speak purely this sentence is from my experience, not my theology. It is my theology, but it's also my experience. So it's doubly effective. It's not just some theory Nate come up with while reading the Bible. I actually have experienced this. So that's why it's so powerful. This piece, this piece that Jesus gives, changes everything. If you've ever experienced it before, even just for a moment, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it might be challenging to believe that such a thing exists. Right? But I promise you it does and it's real. So that's not just my theology. I didn't just read John 14 and go, this is what I learned, guys. <laughs> that's actually what I've experienced. So this is why I'm passionate about this topic. I'm not, I don't really give a frick about theories in my life. I give a, I give a frick about experiences <laughs> and life. Isn't, you know what I'm saying? If it's real, then I care. If it's not, then I don't. Um, and I think God's like that too. Um, so Jesus' gift of peace is real and free and easily accessed through the Holy Spirit. But many of us are trying to experience that and, are deeply and deeply desire that peace, but are just not truly feeling it. So I know that some of you are not, have not experienced that peace. I know that some of you have experienced that peace before, but now you no longer experience that peace and you desperately want to get back to it. So that's what we've got to talk about. Um, <coughs> but what... As a human, what you cannot help but do is trying to fight, try to find peace elsewhere if you are struggling to find it in God or perhaps didn't know that you could find peace in God. You just thought it was a theory and you get to go to heaven at the end of the, of the ride. Um, you can't help but try and find peace elsewhere. So the peace that comes from God cannot be replicated by anything in this world. There are many peaceful things in this world, good things of the kingdom of God, good things of creation, but they don't come close to this peace of God. It's not the same. You can't replicate it. 
There are many things that Christians and non-Christians alike can have. This one's not one of them. You cannot experience the peace of God without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, at least not in its fullness. Does that make sense? If you're not a Christian, then you have never experienced this. Um, because you can't help but seek after peace in your life and happiness and contentment, um, you will try many, 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 many different things to try and find it and replicate that peace. Perhaps this has been my experience. I felt that peace of God, then went to a season, slash I'm still kind of in that season, where I wasn't feeling the peace of God. And so what did I do? I went straight back to trying to find peace elsewhere. Because you can't help it. You can't help it. You always want to satisfy yourself. You do. Um, so I'm going to hit seven places we try to find peace and contentment in creation rather than with the Creator. Um, and just a special note before I hit these seven things. None of these things that I'm going to mention are actually inherently evil or bad. None of them are. They're actually all good things and God created all of them. So the point is, they don't, they're not bad things. They're just really bad at being your primary place of peace because they genuinely, I have almost all of them in my life, they genuinely don't satisfy you. You can get every, all of these things tick off, ticked off because they're good things, part of the kingdom of God, and you would genuinely be dissatisfied. <laughs> but it doesn't stop us. So number one, places we try and find peace and contentment instead of uh, through creation instead of with the Creator. Escaping. Number one is escaping. We feel pressed and pressured and annoyed at life, so we seek peace and contentment by trying to escape. There's many different ways of escaping, um, but maybe your escaping um, method is by booking multiple holidays per year and, and letting the countdown and the hope of this future trip bring you a small measure of peace. Do you guys know what I'm saying by that? You book a trip, you're like, cool, October, I'm going, I'm going here, and there's this small measure of peace that's released to you through this hope, like, yeah, I can't wait to go. So it's a good thing. It just really sucks as a primary place of peace because you always have to come home and also you have to be miserable until then. <laughs> um, or maybe you're escaping is you let yourself, this is very common, millennials, listen up, we all do this. You let yourself sink into digital worlds. You let yourself sink into digital worlds with movies, TV shows or video games because it gives you this temporary peace and it helps you forget about the troubles of life. And there's something weird about TV, I don't fully get this. TV is distracting enough that it gets you out of your own head because you can be overwhelmed and tired by your own mental energy and thoughts that you're just dealing with every single day. And you flick the TV on and somehow it distracts you just enough that you can just relax. So all you're doing there is trying to get peace and happiness and contentment through TV. It's not a bad thing if you have true peace and contentment from God, but if that's your source, it's really depressing. Because you'll stay up late at night. I don't want to have to go to work the next day. Freak, I'm just going to make this night last as long as possible. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not satisfying. And then you get to the end of your TV show series and you're depressed. Like, guys, get, Game of Thrones is going to end very soon. Like, that depression is coming. If, you're, if that's where you get your peace from, Game of Thrones, it's, it's going to end. Um, so just watch out. <laughs> or video games. Like, you can just... This is what I do. Like, if I'm not getting peace from God, 
I go and try and get peace from video games because I sink into the world. I want to be immersed in it. It's actually an area that God created in me to enjoy with Him, but when I'm not getting it from Him, I replace Him with this. And it's really not satisfying. It really isn't. It's kind of depressing, actually. I lived two years of my life playing World of Warcraft almost every hour of every day. And guess what happens at the end? You're just depressed because you just push everything out of your life and worship that thing instead of God. And you're just like, that's oh, completely unfulfilling. Thank you, Jesus, for freeing me from that. Um, I'll tell you that story one day, I'm sure. Actually, I can't believe I haven't told you guys that story. It's a good one. Um, <laughs> um, so the thing is, all these things, these, these escape methods, they actually do work. Or maybe even audiobooks or reading books, like fantasy books. You can escape. It actually works. It just doesn't last. It's, not, it's a small measure of peace. It's just really not the kind of peace that you were created for. Because the peace of God, I'm telling you, is 150,000 million times better than that peace. Don't be satisfied with reading a book and getting lost in the world. That's crap. There's peace of God on offer. Jesus. Um, or another escape method. This is pretty common as well for millennials. You want to just escape the busy, stressful city life by buying a van and putting your whole house in there so your, your living costs are very minimal. You, you pull up next to the surf, you surf every single day, you, 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 know, you cook pretty cheap and you just live Sam, did I get you with this one? You smiling? <laughs> He's like, damn, that was my life goal. <laughs> no, I'm just... Yeah, dude, it's a sick goal, honestly. Just make sure you get peace from God first. Um, but, okay, this is, what, this is the thing about that. That sounds and looks peaceful, and in a sense, it actually is, but in a sense, it's actually not as well, because it's not true peace. It's actually a fake counterfeit peace that the world tries to go after, Oh, I just need to get out of the stress of bills and money and traffic and just live on the beach and just be free. You won't be free. You actually won't. I've actually done it. I lived in a van for three months last year. It's, it was not freeing. <laughs> Jesus is freeing, but the van's not freeing. Because um, as soon as something bad happens again, you go, Oh, but I just try, I'm trying to get away from all that stuff and I can't get away from it because it's life. You can't escape from it. No van, no matter how decked out it is, is going to get you away from stresses of life, just so you know. You guys know Nick Franz, Iggy? Mm -hmm. He told this story a few weeks ago to me. He said God had to rebuke him and his definition of peace because he actually believed the lie that this kind of Byron Bay, surfing, just cruise, chill, no time schedules was his version of peace. And so what, how it manifested was he never was on time to things because he's like, I don't want to rush. I don't want to make myself, you know, just rushed and, you know, time schedules. I'm going to get there when I get there. And he would get to uni like an hour or two late and miss everything. But he's like, well, that's cool. I'm just going to chill. It's not real. That's fake. That's not real peace. You, you can actually meet a time schedule and not feel the pressure and the, and the pressingness of being rushed with the peace of God. <laughs> that's real peace. Okay, that's number one, escaping. Number two, alcohol. This is a big one. I, I realized when I was traveling last year, very few countries around the world, went to like 20-something countries, I think, very few countries around the world treat alcohol like Australians do. Australians are a little bit next level with alcohol. I didn't realize until I went to Europe and other countries like that, where they will pretty happily have a glass of wine or two at night with their friends, not get drunk, not even really think about getting drunk, and then go to sleep and be happy. 
Whereas often here, you drink to get drunk. And we're kind of probably a little bit blind to it because we've grown up in this culture and it's kind of just, that's why you drink is to escape. Um, yeah, so th this one is very similar to escaping because alcohol is actually a form of escape in and of itself. Um, you, might, you might not be getting blind drunk every night, but you might drink just enough to put yourself, tell me if you guys know what this means, put yourself in a kind of mentally buzzed state where you feel a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more yourself. You guys know what I'm saying by that? You're not getting drunk, so it's kind of Christian, it's kind of cool, yeah? <laughs> but you're drinking yourself into a state. It's like literally one or two drinks will do this to you. Um, and you're into this kind of like chilled, mentally buzzed state, and it's kind of relaxed, and then now you feel peace. That's not peace. That's fake peace. That doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. Um, Alcohol was a gift created by God to give to us for enjoyment. So you can do that, but you have to have your primary source of peace, your primary source of life from Jesus, the one who truly gives peace. Um, if you drink for this reason, and a lot of people do, it will actually work. You will actually be able to chill yourself out a little bit, relax, calm your mind, calm your emotions, all that sort of stuff. It actually does work. It just doesn't last. It just doesn't fulfill you. You have to go back to the bottle again the next night and then the next night and actually your body creates an alcohol tolerance level and it goes up over time so then you keep, need, to, need to keep drinking more and more just to sustain your level of peace. You guys know what I'm saying? Apparently it's the same with smoking. Apparently if there's like a normal level of okayness, mental okayness and like kind of normal ability in your mind to be able to deal with stress, people are here. Smokers actually exist apparently down here but when they smoke they go back up to normal. That's all it is. So they go, they, they, smokers say, oh, it helps me to relax. Actually, it just helps you return to the normal state that you were in before. But the nicotine is so addicting that you need to keep nurturing the flesh more and more and more. It's, it doesn't last and it's obvious. Society's figured that one out, cigarettes, but they haven't quite figured out the alcohol one yet. That's your, cope, that's your, uh, your method of coping. It's a couple of drinks every single night. Looks harmless, not hurting anyone. Hey, leave me alone. It's my couple of drinks. Yeah, but it's not real peace, so you're selling yourself short. You guys know what I'm saying? Um, watch out for that one. Um, yeah. Number three. First one, escaping. Second one, alcohol. Number three, mindset. This is a bit of a tricky one for me to explain, but I promise you it's such a prevalent thing. Um, you draw a sense of peace and contentment because you have this mental image of yourself, right? You view yourself in your mind as this person, as this identity, as this put together person with all or many areas of your, of your life on point. I'm, I really want this to connect, but I find it very difficult to explain, but people do it all the time. It's a, it's a big reason why people start surfing, for example, because surf culture is massively, uh, what's the word? very powerful. Surf culture is very, very powerful, especially like obviously where we've grown up. A lot of people start surfing because it looks cool. You don't actually have a deep desire to ride the wave, which is why you surf. You just want to look like you're a surfer because it kind of makes you be this identity that you want to be. Does that make sense? So you get this small measure of peace and contentment in your mind because of the image that you have of yourself. You might be like, I've just got, I've got, you know, awesome fashion. I surf, I've got my own business. I work my own hours. I travel a lot and everything in your life is like designed to be like on point. And this, this measure of peace comes with that. 
It's cool. It's fine. It's good. God created it. It just doesn't sustain you. You have to keep that identity up. And when, you, when something in your life goes off track, you start to feel unpeaceful. Does that make sense? Like if you just use the surfing analogy as an example, if like you were really trying to make it in, like trying to be, be a surfer, like be part of surf culture, and then someone that was really good at surfing saw you surf and you sucked, you would feel crap about yourself because your joy did not come from riding the wave. Your joy came from what they thought of you and the image that you had of yourself as a, as a cool surfer dude. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. I did that. That's, the, that's literally the reason I started surfing. Because it was cool. I didn't want to ride a wave. I don't even know what that feels like to ride a wave. But I was like, but surfers look cool, so I guess I'll try that. I didn't know that I was doing that, but that's what I did. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, number four. Having your dream job. So often, this is actually super prevalent as well. Um, so often people say, I'm just like, if only I had my dream job, or I can know you know, you know, uh, meet this purpose in my life by doing this thing or being a graphic designer or, you know, get, getting enough pay with this thing, then I'd be happy. It's fake. It's fake. You'll get that dream job and it's not as good. You won't feel satisfied with it. You'll start looking for the next job without even realizing that the path that led you there was broken. You promised yourself something that you ended up getting and it didn't deliver what you promised, what it promised. That makes sense. Number five, having lots of money. This is a big one. If only I had enough money to cover my bills and just pay for like a few little things inside, go on the holiday, like once or twice a year, I'd be happy. Small measure of pay. Everyone thinks like that. And you also, did you realize you never have enough? Every year goes by, you never have enough. Even though your pay is going up every single year. Because you keep, you keep filling out your, you, you take whatever you spend, uh, sorry, you take whatever you get paid and you just spend, you spend the same percentage every single time. When it goes up, you just spend more. When, you go, when, when, when your pay goes up, you move into a bigger place because you can afford it now. Does that make sense? So you're always chasing this goal, if only I had enough money, then I'd have peace. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Actually, you would get the money. Let's just say everything went well for you. You got the money and you were rich. Now, you exchange that promise of peace for a guaranteed fear that you're going to lose the money. Because rich people don't think that they're all peaceful. They're scared they're going to lose the money. They're always looking over their investments. They become obsessed with money, even though they've got so much of it. And they're insatiable. They're often very insatiable with it. They just want more and more. It's never enough. I just want to feel financially secure. That's always the sentence people say. Financial security. Just give me that and I won't want any more. I won't be greedy, I promise. It's a lie, I promise. Jesus says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus said that. A person is a fool to store up, this is Luke 12, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Cool, that's number five. Number six, being in a relationship. If only I could have a girlfriend, if only I could have a boyfriend, if only I had someone to hang out with, if only someone would just love me for who I am, if only I could get married, move away, just be with my, my partner, just us two, I'd finally be peaceful, I'd finally be happy, I'd finally be content. Guess what happens when you get married? <laughs> literally all your dreams come true you meet the best person in the world you love them it's so fun it's so awesome you're the best this is my this is my life story literally <laughs> met the best person I absolutely love my wife we had the best wedding so much fun so great you couldn't offer anything better we have a great marriage great friendship love it I'm so discontent with it <laughs> you feel that I'm so it does not satisfy me it just doesn't it doesn't even come close 
And that's partially because I've tasted the satisfaction of God. So I'm like, I know that's possible. So it's expanded my range of what I know I can get. So now I compare that to marriage and it's just really not as good. <laughs> marriage is awesome. Don't, don't hear me wrong. But it does suck compared to God. <laughs> Genuinely. Paul says it's poop compared to God. Philippians 3. Remember I preached on that? That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> Jesus. And here's one that will just, like, I'm going to throw a curveball in there. Number seven, being a Christian. Yeah. Because there, and I, and I mean that in a label sense. I'm a Christian. I think about the deep thoughts of life. I'm, I'm going after peace. I'm going after figuring things out. But this, this one's difficult to communicate, to be honest, because it's actually, I want you to be a Christian and have peace but from being a Christian. But often being a Christian doesn't come with having the presence and peace of God. It just doesn't. It should. It genuinely should. Jesus intended that. It just often doesn't. People can label themselves as Christians and live exactly like the world because they don't have that peace. They had the same alcohol habits, they had the same TV habits, they had the same spending habits, they had the same everything because they don't have that satisfaction from God. But I'm a Christian, Nate. But you don't have peace. Look at your life. It's obvious. If you had peace, you wouldn't be doing X, Y, Z. You just wouldn't. So it's not about being a Christian that gets peace. It's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit living within you. It's His reality that brings peace. It's a narrow path. Even when you think you found a narrow path, you realize it's way more narrow than you thought. Do you guys know what I'm saying? You think that Christianity is the, the narrow path and everything else is not? Then you get within Christianity and you go, oh dang, it's actually like, there's very few people that are actually lo looking like Jesus. And it ends up being like a few people. <sighs> Jesus. Does that make sense about that one? Being Christian? Um, any questions so far about any of that stuff? Cool. Um, so those were the seven things. There's, pl there's plenty more, but those are just seven for you. Seven's a holy number. Number one, escaping. Number two, uh, I just did that wrong. <laughs> one, escaping. Two, alcohol. Three, mindset. Four, having a dream job. Five, having lots of money. Six, being in a relationship. And seven, being Christian. All great things. And I, I'm pretty sure I have all of them. Or like most of them. And you know what's really funny? I have all those things and I'm, they genuinely and literally don't satisfy me. It's not a theory, it's just true. I just have them all. I have such a good life in a, in a, in a worldly sense. I have a good job, I'm university educated, I get paid a decent amount of money, I live on the freaking beach. I am easily top 1% of the world and I'm so unsatisfied. How crazy is that? Do you guys not just freak out with that? I have it. I have it all. And it sucks. <laughs> and I'm still searching. I'm still seeking. I'm still unhappy and still discontent. And still go to sleep sad. And still, do you guys know what I'm saying? You were never created for these things. You've heard it your whole life in church. All oh, things don't satisfy you. Yeah, but they, they literally don't satisfy you. Yeah. It's like a theory, and then you go and try it, and you go, no, I think, I'm pretty sure things will satisfy me. And then they just don't. And I'm on the other end going, no, they literally just don't. I tried it. You guys know what I'm saying? It's just not satisfying. I'll tell you what happened to me, actually. It's just a random story. This was a few weeks ago. So after, after the first night of coming back to teaching night, this was like a month ago, that was on a Thursday, I did the teaching night. On the Saturday, I was hanging out with Amber, and we... We struggle sometimes on weekends because we both want to do different things. 
because she likes to go to the mall and I hate the mall. Um, <laughs> Amen. 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 Dude, the mall sucks. Oh my God. Yes, bro. <laughs> I'm all about that. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Jules, you can help me with this because I'm still struggling. Oh, I thought you were going to say just suck it up and go. I thought exactly what you thought, Ange. <laughs> so good. Yeah, so she, she wants to go to the mall, and I usually just want to like sit on the headland and just think about life. <laughs> You're the same? Dude, it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> so we often get to the weekend, and this is what happens. She's like, let's go do this. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And she's like, well, I don't want you to come and do that if you just don't want to do that. That's was not fun. I'm like, yeah, but I guess I want to do it because then you'll have fun with it. And it's just the whole mayhem thing, right? And then so literally, this is so weird. But it makes sense in this context, right? Things were just going bad that day. Like, honestly, I get quite affected by the weather. This might sound so super strange, but it's actually a thing. SAD, um, Seasonal Affective Disorder. Um, it's a thing, it's a thing, promise. It's not just me. Um, so when the weather's bad, and the, the, the certain weather carries certain moods, right? Yeah. So my absolute least favorite weather, it's probably two I hate the most, is first of all, sun showers. It's just like, make up your mind already. Like, sun or shower. I like both, but don't go in the middle. And the second one is just like cold, windy. It's just not fun. And there's just like crap gray clouds that just keep hanging around. Like, I just don't like it. So, there's all these things happening on this Saturday. This is like a f four weeks ago, right? All these things are happening. Like, the, the weather was bad. I didn't want to do this thing. I was tired. I wasn't feeling well. Then I felt obligated to go to the mall, so we went to the mall and we had to buy all these presents for people and I was just like, this sucks, like I'm just feeling discontent. This sounds so, like I'm a little whinging little child by the way. Um, but this is just like, it, it made more sense later, but I'll explain why, right. So then we had to, and this just annoyed me so much, <laughs> we had to go get the car cleaned and I just hate, first of all I hate spending a lot of money on things I could do myself, right, I could clean the car myself. Um, but we were borrowing cars so we wanted to make it like really legit. So we went and got it cleaned and it cost like a hundred bucks and I was like, freaking hundred bucks. <laughs> and then the car wash was just like badly set up. I didn't like it, so I didn't feel good there. And I literally started crying in the middle of the car wash. I literally, Amber was chatting to me and I just started crying. She was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I have no idea, but I'm just so upset right now. Was and it was just, no, it wasn't. It, it was absolutely the cherry on top. And also it started sun showering just at that moment. And so I was like, this, this, this sucks. Like, it's just not fun. Um, anyway, there was, there was lots more going on that day. But essentially what happened was I was like, why the heck am I crying? I don't cry that often. It's becoming more often, which is good because I think I need to cry a bit more. But I usually don't cry that much. But then I just started crying in the middle of the car wash. I was just like, just like trying to hold it together, turning away, just like just crying so much. Literally what I was like, I was so embarrassed that I was crying. And then we had to go to this baby shower after that. So I was like, <laughs> I was like driving home. I was just like so sad, just crying. And was like, I, I, she just didn't know what to do. She's like, how about you go home and rest and just figure out your crap, whatever the heck's going on with you right now. I'll go to the baby shower and we'll just figure it out later. I was like, okay, I think I want to do that. So I went home. And I went home and then I was like, I, I watched a little bit of Netflix just to like kind of get my mind out of it. 
And then I was like, cool, I think what I want right now is to read the Bible. This is like just purely my heart was starting to come out because I was really digging into why am I so upset right now? Why do I feel so discontent, right? That's a good question, right? Remember, good questions, you should ask good questions. Why are you crying right now? Don't just be like, I'm just sad. Figure out why you're sad. Seriously, it changes everything when you figure it out. You learn so much about life. Anyway, so this is what I learned, right? I started to read the Bible and I read this psalm by David, where he talks about um, his depression, essentially. He's, he says, at the beginning of the psalm, Psalm 42, he says, like a, like a starving deer is panting for water, so my soul is longing to be with God. Right? So a starving, dry mouth deer, like panting, like longing for water, yeah, that's me, for God. And I, I'd read that psalm a million times in my life. And I was like, yep, that's a pretty cool little psalm there, David. Thanks for that one. I never really connected with it. But in this moment, because I was so sad, I was like, he's, and I read the whole thing, and he, every single thing he wrote, I felt. Does that make sense? You can read a psalm and get it. You can read a psalm and teach it to other people. But you don't always read a psalm or even a Bible verse and just feel it. I felt this. I was like, there's something happening here. And that whole psalm, you know what it's about? It's about he's tasted the presence of God and for some reason, he stopped experiencing the presence of God and it is driving him mad. And I was like, that's it. That's why I started crying in the middle of a freaking car wash, in the middle of a sun shower, because all those things were doing was just revealing that I was already upset and discontent. And that was, this is four weeks ago, guys. This is fresh. I'm in this now. You guys know what I'm saying? This is not like me three years ago, now I figured it out, now I'm like super Christian. It's like, no, I'm literally figuring this crap out now. My soul has experienced, has tasted the presence of God, and now everything else in life just doesn't satisfy. It genuinely doesn't. You guys know what I'm saying? It's like when you have an amazing burger, you can't go back to Macca's. It's just depressing. It just reminds you of what you're missing out on. It's just like, well, I've... Yeah, this was good back when I was six, but like not... <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah, so... Does that make sense? Why yeah. I started crying? Um, yeah. Jesus is wrecking me at the moment. It's so awesome. I love it. I've been crying a lot. So, thanks, Jesus. Um, yeah, so... The point of this is that all the things I just read out about the things that we try and satisfy ourselves with, they're all good and they all play their own part in the kingdom of God. But there is so, 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 so much more. If you never experienced it, if you're like, I don't really know what you're talking about now, I've never experienced that, that's fine. Just take my word for it because I'm not lying to you. There's no part of me that's like, I'm going to get up and start a teaching night so I can lie to people to convince <laughs> them to chase something that's not real and I know it's not real. That's dumb. Why would I do that? I'm telling you, I've experienced this. Even if it's just for a second, you know it. That's how powerful the presence of God is. That's how powerful His peace is. This peace. This peace. You can, when, when you experience this peace, you know what He's talking about and you know why Jesus could live why He did, the way He did. And He wants everyone to have that peace. Um, the presence of God is so much more satisfying than all of these things. It's not just a theory, it's my experience and it's my reality. Um, I'm grateful for my job, I'm grateful for my mindset, I'm grateful for my money, I'm grateful for my marriage, but they all suck at satisfying me. 
That makes sense. I'm grateful for all of it. I should be. They're all gifts from God. They just suck at satisfying me. They're all crap to worship. Um, yeah, so this is where peace actually is. I'm going to read out some Bible verses to you, right? I'm going to read them out slow. Jesus says in John chapter 10, 9 to 10, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. Life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. <laughs> How crazy is that? I've come to give you life in abundance higher than you even expect until you overflow. Jesus said that. That's a passion translation of John 10, 9-10. How crazy is that? More than you expect. You've got a certain level of peace that you're kind of happy with and you can kind of get by with. Jesus is like, yeah, it's way more than you expect when you come to me. Um, Psalm 73, 25-26. I think this is David. Who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I tell you when you know you found the presence of God is when you can say something like, earth has nothing I desire besides you and mean it. That's when you know you found the presence of God. If you, don't, if you can't say that and mean it, I don't think that you've tasted it. If you still like longing for things of the earth. It's like your mind is so much further down than it should be set up towards heaven. Does that make sense? John 7, 37 to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Remember I said before, where's, where's this peace? This peace is in the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus gets up in the middle of a feast and starts yelling out to everyone, Hey, is anyone thirsty? Yeah, come to me and I'll put rivers of living water that will flow from within you. That's what he said in the middle of a feast. How crazy is that? And he just probably sat back down to start eating again or something. It's hilarious. But who speaks like that? Sounds like something of another world, doesn't it? Does anyone, anyone, earth, uh, anyone on earth speak like that? Yeah, I'm going to put rivers of living water flowing from within you. So it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, what are you talking about? It's because he's trying to draw on this heavenly spiritual principle. You can't see it, but when he puts it in you, you feel it. That's what I'm testifying to you guys tonight. You can feel this stuff. It's real. Um, yeah, Jesus. John 16, 33. So on the night before Jesus is crucified, he tells his disciples all his last words. That's John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 he prays, and then 18 he goes and gets crucified, right? So John 14, 15, 16 is some of the most rich, rich scripture in the entire Bible. You could spend the rest of your life in that and you'll never understand all of it. It's so rich, it's so deep. Jesus is like giving his last little secrets to his disciples before he sends them, like before he has to go away. And he says at the very end of that 
sermon that he gives them. He goes, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Jesus, why are you preaching to us right now? Why are you saying you're going to go get crucified? Why are you saying the council is going to come? Why are you saying all this stuff? So that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Do you know what that means? It means that Jesus' peach, peach, <laughs> Jesus' peace is so powerful, <laughs> is so powerful that all the hectic trials and sorrows of the world can't touch it. Because he said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So his peace can't be touched by the world. You can literally live in a place where the hectic pressures of life can't touch you. Of course they touch you in a sense they affect you, but they can't touch your peace. Because it's not even on the same realm. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Philippians 3, 7-11 But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That's the poop word I mentioned before. In order that I may gain Christ. Paul's like, I literally count everything in my life as poo. Um, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ and the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I just may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that, I, that by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's like, all things of my life I consider crap just compared to knowing God. If you can't say that about your own life, then that's cool. You just haven't experienced it yet. Just ask God to show you and take you there. Because Paul was there. Nothing special about Paul. Just a guy. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. You guys hear me talk about the kingdom of God all the time. I'm like, what's this kingdom of God? Where is it? How can I get there? All that sort of stuff. It's uh, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Paul says, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus is crucified and resurrected, he comes back to his, see his disciples and he walks through the walls. This is John chapter 20. He walks through the walls Guess what he says? Peace. Peace. He's just done the most amazing thing in all of human existence. Destroyed sin, reconnected us to him. The gospel, right? And what's the first thing he says? Peace. Peace to you. He actually says it three times in that little section. The first time he says it, and the disciples don't say anything. They're like, what the frick? And then the next section goes, um, then he showed them the scars on his hand and the disciples were glad. So Jesus says, peace to you again. And then they were glad. So the first one, he says peace, it just goes straight past them, right? The second one, they go, oh, it's Jesus. Look at the scars. It's so cool. It's Jesus. And he goes, peace to you. And then they receive it because the next verse says, and he breathed on them and gave them Holy Spirit. It's really the same thing. Peace to you, Holy Spirit. Peace to you, Holy Spirit. From that moment on, the Holy Spirit could live inside of them and be that, be their peace. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um, Jesus loves peace. Um, and then, and then you can watch in the Book of Acts, the apostles, the apostles, 
they have this peace of God with them, that something changes with, with them. They're, they're, they're kind of cowardly and weird and dumb and all these things in, in like the Gospels. And then they get to Acts and they're just like bosses and like nothing can stop them. It's like, what the heck? Like that's such a drastic transformation. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's really what's changed. It's the Holy Spirit being breathed on them in John chapter 20. And then it's the Holy Spirit falling on them in Acts chapter 2, right? It's the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, uh, John chapter 20. And then in Acts chapter 2, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit falls and anoints them with power. Holy Spirit changes everything. Um, yeah, Jesus. Okay, now here's a question. Um, I, got, I don't know how too much longer to go, guys. Um, what did that peace that Jesus left us, so what's this peace up here? This peace that Jesus left us, what did it look like in his life? Because if you can answer that question, then you can figure out what your life is able to look like if you follow him. Um, yes. Now, obviously it had many, many manifestations and affected every single area of his life. But if you had to boil it down to one sentence, you would have to say that his peace was that his heart could not be rocked by anything and couldn't be bought at any price. There's many elements to it, but that's, that's what it allowed him to do. He wouldn't be offended. He just wouldn't. He was at peace. You couldn't offend him. You couldn't, uh, the devil tried to buy him by giving him, giving him the world, everything. Everything was his to be, um, to be given to him. And he goes, no, I'm good he's content he's just genuinely peaceful um, he wasn't he wasn't out there in his ministry in his ministry looking for something to fulfill him he wasn't like cool I've come this far in my relationship with God so I think the next step is probably ministry might grab a bunch of guys that should give me the next level of the presence of God and, and, and peace and contentment you know he was just peaceful and content because he had the Holy Spirit it's, that's all he needed um yeah, he, he didn't rock up in life. You know when people walk into a room and they're, they're in lack and you can feel it and they want something and it carries with, this, with them this certain angst because they're just not content? He never experienced that. He was just with God. It was, a, it was a peaceful existence. You can live like that. You can. Otherwise, this is not true and we're all wasting our time. Um, yeah. He had that peace despite no dream job, despite no money, literally, no marriage, no drunkenness, no video games, and he was peaceful. He didn't have all the things that we have. He just had God, and it seemed to be enough for him. He just didn't need any of those things to feel fulfilled. He was just fulfilled. He had peace with God, and it was genuinely enough. You know that feeling that you get when you finish a big meal? What's the feeling that you get? Fullness. You're full. Do you want to eat? Frick no, just ate. <laughs> you feel full and you don't want your food. In fact, you'll give away your food. You don't want food, you're full. That's how Jesus lived. Does that make sense? He was full, he wasn't hungry. In a physical sense he was, he literally ate food. But in a spiritual sense, he didn't eat food. He just, well, I guess he did. And that probably that, I ruined that analogy. But um, Jesus lived in a state where he wasn't hungering spiritually and he wasn't in lack spiritually. That makes sense? That feeling, I finished a big meal, just cruising. They've got no interest in food right now. That's Jesus' existence. <laughs> He's just happy. Um, and you know what that means? Is that now he was free to go out into life and give food to other people. 
because I'm hungry. <laughs> um, that's how you can live too. It really this ends up manifesting in love because you feel peaceful and content and satisfied. So what do you want to do then? What, you don't have to go chase satisfaction anywhere. So what do you want to do? Well, help other people get satisfaction, of course. People that you care about. So you just spend your whole life doing that rather than looking to your spouse to get the satisfaction that, that you thought they promised you they could never deliver on because they're not God. Um, so Jesus in John chapter 4, he offers the woman at the well living water. Remember before I said streams of living water will flow from within you? Jesus said that. In John chapter 4, he goes, if you ask me for a drink, I'll give you this living water and then you'll never have to drink again. So John 4, 13 says, everyone who drinks of this water, the living water, will be, th oh, sorry, no, sorry. Everyone who drinks of this water, the, well the, the water from the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him, listen to this, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus gives you living water which becomes within you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit there once again. Because you're not thirsty. You just drank. Make sense? Literally trying to drink water when you're not thirsty is so gross. It's like the last thing you want. You know what I'm saying? It's like you almost want to throw up. It's bad. But when you're thirsty, you'll down that thing. Like you'll down two liters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just spiritual reality. Um, Jesus offers, offers this living water to everyone and once you've tasted of it, you no longer have to thirst because it creates a spring of life within you. That means you can just pour your heart out out of your own satisfaction to others around you. You can, just, you can spend your whole life just pouring yourself out to other people. The people that I remember how I said before, do you guys know people that are just content in their life? The people that I know that are most content, I can tell because all they really do is want to just spend their time loving other people because they're just content with God and His presence. It's actually enough. Seriously. Um, yeah, Jesus. All right, I'm going to draw again. Not much room left, but see how we go. Thanks, Court, you legend. Um, actually, let's go pink. Okay. Here we go. So... Oh, can I get rid of that? Yeah, you did that test. Sorry? Yeah, I know. It's just kind of in the way. Okay. Ah, oh, these pens are struggling a little bit. Let's try purple. Okay. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Two completely different love hearts. Ah, uh, because I can't draw. Now, this is what your heart will look like if you don't have peace with God giving you satisfaction. And what I mean by that is you're always seeking and searching to be fulfilled. You can't help it. This other one is like this. Just eternally, those are arrows, hopefully you can see. It's horrible drawing, horrible drawing. But you get the idea. You're peaceful and content within your own heart. This is enough for you. You just feel settled. You just feel peaceful. But if you're like this, it's just not rest. It's just not what you're created to be. 
And that's how you live if you've never experienced God. So experience God and then you won't have to live like that anymore. Um, Jesus. Um, so it, if you guys do genuinely want this living water, you can just ask the woman at, like, you can just ask, you can't ask the woman at the well. You can just ask like, <laughs> you can just ask like the woman at the well did. She goes, sir, can I have some of this water? Like, she doesn't even think about it. She goes, yeah, give me some of that water. She's not like, oh, is that really real? Is that, I don't really know. I'm a bit skeptical. She's like, can I have some of that water? And guess what Jesus says? You, it might, you might think he goes, yeah, sure, have some water. He doesn't. He actually says, can you go get your husband? How interesting is that? She asks for the water and he goes, yeah, so just go get your husband. Knowing she doesn't have a husband and she's lived with five different guys who she's not married to. Why does he do that? I was reading that today and I was like, that's a very funny thing for Jesus to do, but that's exactly what he did. She, she goes, he goes, I'll give you some living water. She goes, cool, can I have some? And, she, and then he goes, go get your husband. I think what he's doing, that he is saying yes, of course, he's saying yes. But he's saying, I need to make room in your heart for this Holy Spirit, for this living water to come and rest and be within you. And right now your heart is sold to this man or sold to this lifestyle or sold to this whatever. So I can't give it to you. So go get your husband. And then she goes, I don't have a husband. And, and he goes, that's right, you don't because you live with five guys and da, 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 whatever. And then she goes, whoa, you know everything. You're a prophet. You're amazing. Goes and tells the whole village. And then she gets saved and they all get saved and it's all awesome. And she must have felt not c condemned at all when he pointed that out, by the way. How crazy is that? Jesus must have said it so calmly and peacefully and gently. Yeah, you don't have a husband. And, and the last five guys that you live with, knowing well this is sin, right? That you can get stoned for that. He goes, yeah, you don't have a husband and you've been living, living in sexual immorality and all sorts of stuff. That's what he, essentially, that's what he's inferring. And she's just like, oh, wow, you're a prophet. <laughs> How crazy is that? So this is, what, this is what happened. Did you say, God, I want the living water? He goes, go get your husband, in a sense. That is, what's currently got your heart? What has you? What are you satisfying yourself with at the moment? Because I can't give you the satisfaction of me if you're satisfying yourself with something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. He points out the biggest thing, the God in her heart, which was her, the guy that she was living with, right? Uh, presumably so anyway. So he needed to make way for the Holy Spirit to come and live in her. And he started working on that straight away. As soon as she said, can I have the living water? He goes, yep, that's what he's going to do to you. So if you want the living water, if you want this peace, this peace of God that's real, it's legit, that, this is why you can't get it without laying down everything. It just doesn't work. You, you're, you're scared and so you're trying to keep yourself in two different camps. Well, then you're in neither of them. Do you know what I'm saying? It is scary. It is scary because it's very unknown. It's like, oh, what am I doing? What if it's wrong? What if it's all this? But that's, that's what it requires. So if you're, not really re if you're not ready to give everything of yourself to go after God, then you need to go on a journey to, to become ready to give everything. Ask Jesus why you don't want to lay it down. Ask Jesus why you're scared. Ask why you find it hard to believe in Him. And then you can lay yourself down and then you can get His presence and then you can have that peace. But there's no shortcuts and there's no if, buts, maybes. There's no like, it's just that. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. You can't live on the fence because the devil owns that. Kathy loves that quote, but it's true. Um, yeah, cool. So, I spoke a lot about the peace of God. I probably sold you on it. You probably all want it. Who, who wouldn't? Be kind of silly if you didn't want it. 
Um, it's utterly incredible. It is literally the most alive I've ever felt. Um, like easily, easily it's the most alive I've ever felt was the peace of God. Like I've had cool experiences in my life. Like I said, I've had a great life. I'm very, very grateful and thankful for my life. But none of my experiences come anywhere close to the peace of God. Like genuinely, it just, it just doesn't. I long for the peace of God every moment of every day. I've longed for it my whole life. Like even since I was a little kid, I can like all this stuff. That's, that's me seeking God. I didn't know I was doing that. And these, these things that I sought over here, they were elements of the, of the kingdom of God, but they weren't Him. Even when I was in my 20s and was into Jesus and church, I wasn't into it in the right way. Because into it, in, I liked it because it helped me understand the world. I didn't like it because I wanted to be with Him. Does that make sense? It felt somehow arrogantly satisfying that I could understand the world. And like, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Jesus, like I realize if I look back in hindsight now, God's been drawing me into His peace my whole life. And it's so awesome. Like a few years ago, I remember, this is so, such a random story. I was playing a video game, playing my, one of my favorite games, Zelda, right? And it's so awesome. And it was like, I think I had a day off from work because I was sick or something. So I was just playing Zelda. I was so peaceful. So awesome. And I got to this place in like this like forest temple. And I got there. This is a video game. Not even real, right? I got there. And the music and the light and the atmosphere of this temple was so peaceful. I sat my character there and just watched the screen. I was like, I'm going to go get lunch. So I left the, left the screen just like run, running like that. When I got my lunch, sat and ate lunch in front of the screen, just watched, nothing was happening on the screen. I was just watching it. I was like, this is so peaceful. But that, sorry? No, not, not rain that moment. <laughs> but that night I probably listened to rain to get to sleep. Let's be real. Um, definitely actually. Um, but that, that is God's, see that, that's an element of God's presence and his peace that's drawing me. And I was, I was captivated by it at that moment. But that's, that's me being drawn into Him. Does that make sense, guys? Not drawn into games. Drawn into Him. There's so many things in your life that you love and you love spending your time with. Cool. Just take it way further until you get to God. Like if you love fiction books, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Like seriously, go read as many fiction books as you want. God, God designed you to love fiction books, right? So go read them. Just read them with Him and discover Him in the process of it. Does that make sense? Let it draw you into Him, to peace. Um, yeah. Jesus. Um, okay, but to be, I, I to be totally honest, right? Even though I'm preaching on this, and even though I know all the stuff about peace, and I know all the scriptures, and I've read it all, I still don't experience the peace of God all the time. I know that you can, but I still don't. Make sense? So, I'm on a journey as much as you guys are, we're all just learning how to experience this, right? Like, there are still beliefs in my heart. I still believe lies. I still struggle to believe God when He says this, this, and this. I still struggle. I do. I find myself in non-peaceful heart situations all the time. Probably daily, if I'm just re realistic with you. But I know that I can stay in His peace. There's nothing forcing me to leave His peace ever. Jesus stayed in it, so why can't I? So you just let Him read over you. Nath, you believe this. Oh, frick. And it's one lie down. Nath, you believe this. Oh, really? Dang. Another lie down. And the more lies that get cut down, 
the more the truth is setting you free and the more you just live at peace. And you have so, when you're in that place of peace, you have so much energy to be a blessing to other people. And that's how your life was designed. You notice when Adam and Eve took the fruit and they sinned and the, and, uh, the glory of God left them, so to speak. Where do they look? Inward. Oh crap, I'm naked. I'm ashamed. Freaking out. You were never designed to look, look at yourself like that. You were always designed to pour yourself out to other people. But you can only do that if you're satisfied. Otherwise, you have to go find satisfaction somewhere else. You can't help it. You have to. Jesus. Um, so if you're in a place of not feeling this peace right now, or you've never experienced the peace of God ever, take this talk as an encouragement to go and seek the Holy Spirit. He is especially the one who brings this peace. His presence in your life is the peace of God. Seek Him, speak to Him, ask Him questions, ask Him to bring you conviction, ask Him to show you what's wrong and find that peace. Like, go after it. If you know it's there, it's so silly if you don't go after it. Like, how can you be content with life if you're not like living in the, the most amount of satisfaction you can live in? How can you be content? You just have to get along with like a little bit of satisfaction that just gets you through each day. That's crap. Who wants to live like that? I mean, we all do without God, but you don't want to stay like that if you know you can get out of it. Um, it is very possible that you've been seeking peace elsewhere because you haven't been getting it from God even though you want it. So very possible that you've been seeking peace elsewhere. Um, but it also could be that you just don't want it enough. Like I think that day when I cried at the car wash <laughs> was me going, going finally in my spirit, I'm over it. I'm, I'm over it. Life just genuinely isn't satisfying. That's, that's actually a good place to be. That, that comes from a certain passion in my life. I can't stand not living passionately. It doesn't feel right. I know I was created for passion. I know I was. And you were too. Everyone is. It's not just me. It's not just loud people. It's everyone is. Jesus. It, it might be that you just don't want it enough. It might just be that you're actually happy to settle for watching TV each night and going to Fiji for two weeks a year. You actually might just be okay with that. That's the problem. You're too easily pleased. You're too easily satisfied. You should be in pain at, in Fiji. Fiji doesn't satisfy you. It just doesn't. TV does not satisfy you. Surely you figured that out by now. You're too easily satisfied. You need to crave real life. You need to crave real peace. You won't find it unless you crave it. It's designed that way. It's designed to get you passionately seeking Him. And if you can't do that right now, cool, process through your thoughts. Remember all trials, that's what it was all setting you up for. Process through your, your thoughts, your doubts, your, your, your lies, all that sort of stuff. Process through it and then go after it. Go after the peace and the life. You should want to know what it's like to truly feel alive. You should want that. If you don't, something's wrong. Like I've got to be honest. Like my friend Courtney is a really good example of this. She just, yeah, I know, I know, it's you. Sorry, I put you on the spot. No, just you. You're the only one I know is named Courtney. But you just want to be alive, and it's so obvious, and you just like you just want to know everything, and it's just emanating from you. And I reckon that you will find the true deep peace of God because you just want 
oh, I don't know, if you guys ever spoken to her, just speak to her for like a minute and you'll be like, <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> Sorry, just on the spot. But literally, that's what I think when I speak to them. Just like, you're so passionate. You just want life. You know what I'm saying? That's what you've got to be like. Be like Courtney. As she tries to be like Christ. <laughs> you guys want to hear a cool quote? Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to hear a cool quote from C.S. Lewis? Yeah? Actually, this is a cool fact. In my first ever legit sermon I ever did, when I was 22, I think, uh, this quote was in it. So now it's just come full circle, yeah? C.S. Lewis said this. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. How boss is that quote? Does anyone want to hear it again? Yeah. Let's go again. Okay. It would seem that our Lord Jesus finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Your problem is not that you go after things in the world. Your problem is probably that you just don't go after satisfaction and life and peace enough. You too easily settle for like, oh yeah, I feel a little bit of the presence of God some of the time. David was not like that. David was like, I'm dying. I'm depressed. I'm dead. If I don't have, if I don't have God, I'm not alive. That's how I felt in that day when I was crying in the car wash. <laughs> I'm going to call it the car wash day. I felt, although I was alive and obviously breathing and my heart was beating and things were going on around me, I didn't feel alive. Does that make sense? I felt alive, but I wasn't alive. Because it's a spiritual thing. You only feel alive in the spirit. It's not just your soul. It's not just your body. You need satisfaction in your heart. You need it. Chase that peace with everything you have because it is literally so worth it. It is worth laying everything down at His feet for. You can finally be at rest within your heart. No longer dreaming and longing for one day getting free and being happy. You can enter this peace right now. The highest level of excitement and enjoyment I've ever registered in my heart. Like if there was a meter of, of like excitement and enjoyment like measured by a number in my heart. If you looked at the graph over my life, it, the, moment, the moments that would be the highest peaks by far. There'd be other like decently high peaks. But this, the, the highest peaks by far would be just experiencing the presence of God and His peace. Easily. It's not even a contest. Um, where... Okay, yeah, Th those moments would just be when I was experiencing the, the presence and the peace of God. When nothing is required of me, I'm loved for who I am. I'm not pulled or stretched or pressed by anything. I simply exist with the one who loves me beyond all limits. That's the peace of God. And that is all we have time for. <laughs> Questions? I have a quick question. Yeah. Say... Peace in the world is like a one, and peace with God is a ten. Oh, is great question! Uh, <laughs> I haven't even said it yet. I know, I can just feel it. Well, I love numbers I'm and ratings. I was wondering if you could distinguish for me, like, what that is as far as, like, can you paint that picture for me? Oh. How to differentiate the difference? Because, you know, you're okay. in that game, right? And you're saying, but then also on the same page, you also said about how, like, video games are a pleasure of one. I know. Seven. So, 
Yeah. I, I totally get your heart in like yes. through all of the seven with God and experience mm-hmm. this peace. But as far as like the peace that transcends all understanding and yeah. your encounters, like do you have an example of an encounter and just why it was so out of this world that I can oh. have peace? Yeah. I love that question basically because I love numbers and rating systems. Like if you guys ever followed me on Instagram, I rate all the food that I ever have tried um, out of 10. Um, I can tell you the best burgers in Sydney as well, if you want to know. Um, but back to your question. It, so you said if the, if the peace of the world is a one, is that what you said? Yeah. And the, and the, and the peace of God is a 10, is that what you said? Uh, is that- yeah, obviously metaphorically you can have combinations, but as far as like, yeah. They are clearly so, so different, right? So I'm wondering yeah. if you could paint a picture for me so I can understand to know the difference. Because I feel like it's so easy for what we like encounter as humans just in day-to-day yes. life. Yes. You know? Like we live on, not, in, not on the scale. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of a moment that was like, so it for me. I think... Mm, I can't remember an exact moment. Uh, I re- want to answer your question. So your question is, how do I distinguish between the peace of the world and the peace of God, right? That's Maybe really the harder like question. The way that you've painted the peace of God yep. the talk tonight, yep. and you're going like, you will know when you have this. Mm. It is so different than mm. anything you've ever had. Mm-hmm. No non-Christian could have ever had it because mm-hmm. it's just the craziest thing ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I feel like I've definitely had peace, but I want to know for you, what is that that makes it so... Like, What's it feel like, basically? Okay, that's a great question. I like that. Okay. An example. When when I was in like a real... When I first started teaching night, I was like just in Jesus, right? I was just in Jesus every single day. So what would I do when I get to a week and have a bit of spare time? Just same thing. I would just be in Jesus. So I'd I'd be like, what can I do just with Jesus, right? So I'd put like a Jesus movie on and just watch the life of Jesus on like YouTube or something like that. And I'd be watching and just like... There's just a story, so I can ho- hopefully it can connect. Be watching and just watching this actor, literally just an actor, a human actor, portraying Jesus and just getting blasted by revelation of love and of peace and of joy and of purpose and of vision and of heaven and of one another and we're all connected. And it's just this feeling of overwhelming, overflowing. I think overflowing is one of the best words I could say that describes the feeling. It is overflowing and overwhelming. If it's not overwhelming, I don't... I don't know that it's the peace of God. Maybe, maybe it could be. I don't know. But for me, it's overwhelming. It's like, I didn't know my mind could handle this. This is, over, this is better than I could have thought. It's better than I could have imagined. This is so incredible. This is so satisfying. I don't want to go anywhere right now. This is just what I want. This is what I've been searching for. That's the feeling. Yeah, that's the feeling. This is what I've been searching for my whole life. That's the feeling. And you go, I just feel happy. I don't know. So Does that help? Totally. Yeah. But so then it just gives me so many more questions. Yeah, when I know. You yeah. Are in that garden or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zelda game. Yeah. And you walk in and it's waterfalls or whatever and yeah. the music and the, all this stuff just combines in yeah. harmony. And you're like, I can't take my eyes off this. This is incredible. Blah, blah, yeah. And you have that. It's like, does that mean it's like, oh, there's there's portions of like, what you can have with God, but to a lower level, or it's not even on the same, it's not even the same book or like, do you know what I mean? Definitely levels of his presence. Definitely levels of his presence. No doubt. You can experience like just a, like a, 
just a calm, I'm just with you today in this kind of presence, level of his presence. Can you have that in the seven? Do you know what I mean? Like, so escapism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so 100%. you can have that same feeling, it's just not to the same level. Yeah, yeah, you can have, you can have the most amazing experiences and of, of the presence of God through like almost anything in the world. Yeah. Like, I hope that doesn't make it confusing. No, I don't Because it's not that. the thing that's satisfying you, because that's not the source, you just enjoy it, it's just an activity, right? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If I go for a walk with my wife, it's enjoyable because I'm with her. The walk is not so satisfying knowing me. Knowing that in seven there's an emptiness, whereas with God there's a fullness, is that? Yeah. It's just something, I guess it in that context, it's just something fun that we're doing together, like playing a video game or whatever. We're just having fun together. But the satisfaction comes from, I'm just with him and he's just filling me with knowledge and revelation and just blessing me and saying all these things about me. And I, I can't explain it because it's just like, it's just him. There's no other word for it. Sorry? Transcends all understanding. Actually, great point. How could I explain it then? I can try, I can try and give you the feeling of it, but if it does surpass understanding, then I can't give you the understanding of it. Cool. And it's the same with Ephesians 3, to know the love of God which surpasses, what does it say? Or the, the, to know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge, the height, the, the width, the breadth, the depth, everything like that, surpasses knowledge. So you're supposed to know something that you can't know. Mm. And the only way you can know something that you can't know is by experiencing. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. So, I can explain to you the feeling that I get. Might be different for you. I imagine it could be pretty similar because me and you are pretty similar. <laughs> but at the same time, I can't explain it. Yeah. And I haven't experienced that much. I honestly haven't. Yeah. But I have had moments where I know it's Him. Yeah. And it's the most real thing ever. And you just know God's real. And you just, if, if, you can definitely fade from it. I've faded from it t tons of times. Yeah. Well, but that's also, what me is like the seven are temporary, as you said. Yeah. Yeah the one with God is inconsistent, which is yep. basically aligning with temporary. Yes, like, that is temporary because yeah. it's, that means it's, I'm not doing it right. But it doesn't have to be temporary, whereas the other things do have to be temporary because they're not eternal like He is. Yeah. So the reason it's temporary when when I say I've experienced presence of God and now no experience in the presence of God is because of my own belief systems that keep me from experiencing Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you Hopefully that, that makes sense. Could completely live on that cloud nine with God twenty four seven. Yes, yes, and no. But cloud nine suggests to me it's an emotional thing, which I don't, yeah, it doesn't always have to be emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that ticks all sorts. You get it? Thank okay, you. great. Because yes. it's not always emotion. There's definitely emotions to it. Totally, you can yeah. feel it. So, yes, yeah. a knowing an awareness is a good word, yeah. but also there's definitely emotion. I'm not saying it's not emotional. It's yeah. totally emotional, but, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yes, cool. it could just be because peace is actually very calm and quiet, mm. and it's like joy is maybe a bit more what you're talking about. Yeah. So there's different ways of experiencing God, and God is sometimes overly joyful and sometimes more peaceful, and it's just different, but it's still Him. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to put words to something that is very difficult to put words to. What Ben said about it passes your own understanding. Yeah. Like you're dealing with the ultimate prince of peace. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. Like, Good way to put it. You're dealing, dealing with the prince, right? Who is the essence of peace. So you're dealing with wow. an actual person who is beyond your understanding or your senses, what you see and what you hear. Mm. And you, you're, you know, there's like a knowing that, oh my goodness, I am in the presence of the Prince of Peace. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So that, if there's a, it, it's, yeah. 
There is emotion to it. Yeah. But it's more like, oh my goodness. Yeah. This is a holy moment. Mm. Like this is wow. This is the prince. Yeah, because you know? he never technically leaves our presence. And once we have that yeah. revelation, no. oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right, yeah. good. Yeah. There, there is something that I'm gonna. I'm still learning this thing I'm about to add right here. So I don't know that much. You, you guys should chat to Nick France if you want to know more because I'm still learning this whole presence of God thing. It's really been more of a recent thing, to be honest. There is this element of the presence of God and you can see it in the Psalms especially of his intentional hiddenness. He, it seems as though he intentionally withdraws at least part of himself, which is why David's going, I'm craving you. Where are you? What's going on? And I asked Nick friends about this a few weeks ago and I was like, why does God do that? Because I've definitely experienced him withdrawing and then coming back and what's going on here? I just don't understand that. And he goes, because when, like he goes, he gave me a few reasons, but one of the main reasons was when he withdraws himself and you still go after him, it just wrecks him because it shows how much you love him. And I was like, dang, I never thought about it that this whole thing is actually two way. I'm just looking for my own satisfaction, but God loves it when you chase after him. He just gets wrecked by it. He gets overwhelmed by it by your love for him. Usually you think it's the other way around. It does go both ways. Does that make sense? So there is, so that's an asterisk on that point. I'm still learning what it means to have the presence of God withdrawn by him. He chooses to do that. So I don't know. This, this brings up a whole bunch of questions as well. So maybe just, li- no, just cool. yeah, I hope that makes sense. But if you read the Psalms, you'll learn so much more, especially Psalm 42, go read that. And you'll understand, yeah, more about that stuff. I'm going to have to wrap it up there, guys. Sorry if there's more questions, but we've just gone like way, way, way over time. Um, and it's past nine and everyone looks pretty tired. So, all peaceful. You just all make peaceful, peace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Was there a peace release tonight? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> just releasing that peace, baby. That's how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus.